right now you got Jeffrey Brown. Hi. Do you guys know Jeff? Yeah. Okay. Who here doesn't? Okay. That, right. makes, that makes it much easier for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, a little bit about myself. I host the Ink Studs Radio Show to Vancouver, a podcast of alternative small press folks. Um, when I was asked to do this panel, um, Jeff and I had been emailing back and forth about various comics we've been enjoying. And uh, <laughs> uh, there's our, uh, we have a, a special guest that's going to join us as well today. Our guest assistant. Yeah. Our, our Hi, Brandon. Do you guys know Brandon? Brandon Graham, uh, King City, Multiple Warheads, Pillow Fights. I'm just going to throw Pillow Fights in there. Um, so we were talking about old comics we liked, and I thought for this it would be fun just to kind of have a fun panel where we look at comics that we liked when we were kids and talk about that and kind of how that's going to influence comics now. Um, a big thing for me personally is really knowing I'm not going to try and sound too heavy, but like the, the narrative uh, legacy in comics and how all that stuff you, you don't expect still carries over today, where with uh, a lot of small press stuff, alternative stuff, there's roots and stuff like Acme and 8-Ball, but there's also Frank Miller's Daredevil Run. So. Yeah. Yeah. And so Brandon is also into old goodies. Right, Brandon? Yeah. I'm Come a little closer to the mic. I'm embarrassingly living out my childhood in my th into my 30s. There we go. I, I want that thing on there. I know. I was. I kind of chose that specifically. Um, now I know you're what like two or three older years older than me, so I don't know if you got into the Ninja Turtles quite as much as I did. Yeah, I mean, um, like I was reading the original original Turtles, and when the when the cartoon came out. Um, that was kind of right at the end of my interest in them. So I was listening to like the the toys and things and more into like the like the first eleven issues of of the original series. Did you have the thing where you um where you would argue with kids about how their other other bandanas should be red? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, I might have done that <laughs> well, just on the playground pushing them. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I was all about the turtles toys, so that's why I kind of like threw pizza, that up. But not that much. <laughs> <laughs> okay with pizza. So, oh, that came in really early. I want to show that later. Awkward. We'll go back. Um, so there's there's the turtles. I think that's what that's from the first issue. Yeah, can you guys see that? Okay, there we go. It's kind of weird setup here. Um, what was it about the turtles that kind of jumped out? Well, I mean, for for me, reading. Um, uh, growing up reading superhero comics, the turtles were kind of this fun, different thing, and, and the fact that it was black and white um, represented. Um, it just seemed to me something like like here's this here's these guys that they're not working for Marvel or DC. They're not working for like these big legitimate comics companies. They're just doing their own thing and having fun with it and. It's really entertaining, and so that was really appealing. Like the the idea that there's someone making a comic that's totally their their own thing without having to to worry about what anyone else thinks. Brandon, 
I, I don't even think it was that thought out for me. I just, I, I, you know, I'm I'm from the school that didn't know that they were based off a of daredevil at all until I was in my twenties. Do, do do people know how brutally ripped off a daredevil it is? The the origin instead of uh, you know daredevil where he saves a lady, he saves a lady, and then the radioactive isotope goes into the sewer, and these turtles fall in, and it's pretty much exactly the same. It's like a side story off of his origin. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole thing was basically a uh, a big riff on uh, Frank Miller's Daredevil at the time and uh, Ronan, which he just done. But I really like about I don't even know if this is going off tangent, but I like how just in taking elements from from things that you think would be derivative, it created something entirely new. And now when you think of Ninja Turtles, you don't compare them to that stuff at all. No, not at all. There's something about ninjas in the '80s that always. Yeah, it was kind of the rise of the ninjas. Like you had the, <laughs> like you know you you start out with like kung fu movies, maybe in the seventies, and then in the eighties, all of a sudden it was like, wait, you guys don't realize this, but there's something even cooler than kung fu. They're called ninjas. <laughs> and then there was like American Ninja and like all those movies. Did you ever have any friends that had throwing stars? Uh, or ninja stars? No, just nunchucks and. Just Could anyone nunchucks. actually handle Just the nunchucks properly? You hung up some Michael Uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I uh could I? No. I don't know anyone who could. It's my yeah. brother my brother would, would do those things, but uh, yeah. I could never understand the use of them. It's just like why don't you just get something that's a little easier to handle to hit someone? Like a bat. Like a bat. Casey this Jones. Is, this is awkward. There we go. <laughs> How was that awkward? <laughs> Did you not read El Flord? <laughs> no, I read El Flord. That's why. <laughs> El Flord was a big influence in me. I mean, kind of. Actually, it wasn't really an influence. I just, it was another one of those comics where it's like, here's this black and white fantasy comic and <laughs> it's like this guy is just like has this personal vision. I mean, like like you were saying, like it wasn't that thought out for you. Like this is in retrospect, I can see right. like this is what my interest was. Like th- what the appeal was was like here's here's these comics and these guys are just doing it on their own. What was your what was your comic buying experience early on? Like like were you were your parents taking you someplace? Um, no, I started out. Uh, there's a store in Michigan called Meyer, which is kind of like this grocery store that expanded to include you know everything kind of like along the lines of Target now um, and so they always had a comic rack and so I started buying comics there and then there was a really great comic shop near our house and I just started going there with my brothers and then eventually it got to the point where after school we'd um, walk over there when I was going by bus like to middle school I would get off a bus stop early right at the comic shop and was there was there a group of friends you're dealing with that are all like kind of into Elf Lord and Ninja Turtles and everything? No, it's just <laughs> just me. I mean, my brother was really into Ninja Turtles, uh, and you know we both were into GI Joe and stuff. Elf Lord's an odd. Elf Lord was just me. I think I think I remember reading the Elf Quest books from the library, um, but I never bought them. Then. I, was, I was much more Elf Quest. Yeah, I didn't actually yeah. get any Elf Quest images. I'm sorry, Brandon. It's all right. All right. Speaking of ninjas, um, 
G.I. Joe was a big one for me, for me as, a, as a toy, but I never got big in the comics. But you mentioned the comic, and so... Yeah, I mean, and, and G.I. Joe is actually one of those bridge comics, because at first, you know, I was playing with G.I. Joe toys, and then here's the comics. And one of the artists who was drawing the covers was Michael Golden, and he drew this G.I. Joe annual that was really great. And his style is really cartoony, but like the the machinery and the weapons are all very realistic. And then he became the artist on the on the Nat the Nam yeah. series. And it was kind of a bridge from here's this kind of fictional fun world. I mean <laughs> I guess they I don't know if the people Larry Hama would describe it as J. Joe is like just fun. Wee but um but then moving to something more serious. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's not based on a toy. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. Um, well, I'm, you know, like, like you've got. <laughs> he's a ninja and this like glider thing. And I mean, I picked. I, I guess at the time I thought it was really cool, probably, but. I picked this issue specifically because it's the uh, the silent one, and for a lot of folks, it was really the GI Joe. Like, if you're looking for GI Joe comics, that's the one that's going to be the hardest to find. Um, and I know, like, Brian Chippendale, apparently it's a huge influence on him, this one particular issue. <laughs> Probably can't see it in his work, but... Did you get into G.I. Joe stuff at all? Yeah, I was I was thinking we were talking about that G.I. Joe was the one... It was a comic book that had TV show commercials. You'd get really into it, and it would, it would show, like, you know, um, you know, jets flying and bombs exploding, and they'd be like, finish it in the comic book! Uh, it would be kind of a letdown of the commercial. <laughs> 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 but, um, yeah, I was really into G.I. Joe. I never remember that. I kind of vaguely do. I wish it, what, what are the ages here? Is Robin here a year younger than me? I'm 33. Right. I'm 35. Okay. You're 34? Yes. You can switch orders. <laughs> yeah, you should sit here. And, then <laughs> <laughs> um, and just so you folks know, this was one of the few things that Larry Hammond, the writer of the NAM, actually drew to. And he's still working on G.I. Joe, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's writing it. I have no, no he idea. Didn't, but he didn't write the name. Oh, I thought you said... That was Douglas Murray. Oh, okay. Sorry. Michael Golden was the bridge. Oh, okay. Sorry. <sighs> Nerd. My Nerd research. fail. Nerd My fail. Goodness. And I think this is a little apropos to uh, what you're doing right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ride that other robot guy. <laughs> yeah. And then punch him. Punch him in the cockpit. Aren't they, aren't they friends? <laughs> oh. Thank you, Google Image Search. I don't know. I don't... I never had any of the, the the jet guys, except for the jet that turned into a tank that turned into a robot. Triple champions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean... Go on. I mean, for growing up, like it was like the toys, it's like Star Wars, G.I. Joe, Transformers. And so the Transformers probably more of the cartoons than the comics for me. But yeah, like all the Marvel comics, like like even with Spi- the issue with Spider-Man... It's like with the Transformers. Well, there's certain comics that were really disappointing once you'd seen the cartoon, like, like Thundercats or, or Transformers. We did have that Sectors. Wasn't that a cartoon? Sectors was a cartoon and a comic. Cartoon. I had the toys. I, d- I didn't have any of the toys. I just had the... C- I, I was just interested in the stories. And so was <laughs> it's like... They're like weirdly Aryan insect guys. What? They're all, they're all like blonde guys. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well I mean... 
Except the bad guys who had dark hair. Oh, well, the bad guys. Like yeah. most '80s cartoons, actually. Uh, that was the thing. It was like um, the bad guys were either bald or they had dark hair usually, and then like some cartoons would split it up. Like the good guys were all clean shaven, and the bad guys all had beards. Right. <laughs> it was like, like that's how you knew they were bad. And then, and then it was like, you'd have like, but here's a guy with the who's clean shaven but he has dark hair and then this guy has a beard and like you're like wait is that guy good or bad I can't well, tell G.I. Joe, Joe had some bold I was, I've been thinking recently it's kind of off topic but in G.I. Joe there was Dr. Mindbender who was their geneticist he was like a bald guy with a mustache and like a purple cape and no shirt and he was like he was like this incredibly he was this incredibly capable geneticist that would like make these like you know did he create Serpentor? Yeah. Okay. And, and <laughs> but then the impressive thing about him is he would like, he's just this kind of, like, he's, he was like this showboat scientist that would like take off his shirt and, and go into combat and fight people. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, I think that's kind of an old school scientist, like the Renaissance, like, like Indiana Jones, you know, yeah. it's like he's not just an archaeologist, he's shooting things and fighting. And I'd, I'd like to bring that back. Writing it, of course. Bring back the, the archaeologist. What's that? The, the scientist. The fighting scientist. The fighting scientist. There we there go. We go. <laughs> That's it. That's great. The fighting scientist. Was Transformers the kind <laughs> of... Just, well, we're going to have to go now. We have to go. The <laughs> <laughs> fighting scientist comics. We're bringing back now comics. <laughs> no. Now comics. Um, Transformers, so that was kind of like your last toy, really, that you really... Yeah, I mean... Um, yeah, so the like I had some of the Insecticons and then it's like then they came out with the Dinobots and by then I was like starting to buy fewer and fewer toys. Uh, Is that one yeah. of the reasons where you're kind of revisiting it now with the change bots? Wait, one of the one of the reasons is kind of like it's like the end of your um childhood. No, no. <laughs> They're just fun to play <laughs> no, with. Not that, not that deep, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. It's just uh, I think the fact there's something about Transformers where it's. I mean, sometimes it's kind of silly. It's like, why do they need to transform? Like, can he can like they can walk places I as a robot? Them, isn't it? <laughs> like, like they're robots with, in disguise. Like, like if they're, I mean, I, not that I've gotten into this in the books, the change bots books, but it's like if you're a robot from like another planet, like like wouldn't you have some form in between vehicle and robot that would be like like more efficient in terms of getting like around jet and fire, maybe a jet with like it's like like couldn't you just have a robot that can shoot things without needing arms? Like why does it need to be this humanoid or like I don't know. Why is it anthropomorphized? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird that they carry guns in their hands. Yeah. It's like, couldn't they just have a gun on their head? Why do they need to talk? Why can't they just communicate through? I was just thinking about the tagline. Like R2-D2? Well, even, like, why do they even need sound? They can just, you know, transmit information through radio signals. Or <laughs> I mean, not, under, not underwater, because radio waves are It would be really hard to relate to the show if it was just these, like... Satellites fighting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fighting satellites. It's a spinoff from fighting scientists. Fighting scientists. <laughs> fighting scientists. Yeah. yeah. 
do it. But I, I was just thinking about how the, the title for, for Transformers is always Robots in Disguise, but then you have robots that turn into, like, robot insects, and, like, what a horrible disguise that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's one of the, f- the funny things is, like, it's like, well, don't they know that, that that's what that guy turns into? Right. Like, I recognize there's that. There's one of the one of the first one of the first episodes has Soundwave, and he's like he's approaching the chain or the awesome uh, the I'm like confusing my books with the actual. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he, Soundwave is approaching the Autobots and their base, and he's you know spying on them, and he but then there's like something's coming, so he he transforms into like this just this pillar that's sti- it's like. Like when that guy drives by, he's like, "Isn't he going to be like, oh, what's this pillar that's not normally here? That's strange." Or when he know like, "Oh, that's Soundwave. He transforms into that pillar thing." That's still pretty like, smooth. Like if I did that, I'd just be like, "Oh, where did they put a new pillar in?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to ask them <laughs> you about think it. That's kind of weird paranoia. This is like, I don't remember that pillar. That's a robot. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Those things look kind of like legs yeah. and arms. <laughs> That's a what? Doesn't that make the toy really disappointing? When you're just like, he can't be a pillar. <laughs> just a boombox. Yeah. Just to keep. He should. Yeah. A little more, more GI Joe. The never-ending battle, or not GI Joe? Transformers. Tired today. Yeah, it's all, it's all bleeds together. It at does some kind point. of. So the, the 80s. Jeffrey, did you, did you? So you must have gone back when you decided to change bots and like revisited all this stuff. Yeah, I. Uh, I got the first season on DVD of the cartoon and the movie. In the in the movie, although I, like I, I was almost done with the first book by the time I got the movie, and then, and then I was just buying like back issues of the comics everywhere. Did did you um, did it still hold up? Did you still like it in the same way? I mean, because the movie's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> not not in the same way. No, I mean, but it's still really entertaining. It's just mm-hmm. it's uh, actually maybe. Excuse me. Um, more entertaining because it's like now I understand. Like back then, you just take things for granted when you're a kid. Yeah, and you, and you have just leaps in logic now that don't yeah, make any sense. Yeah, now it's just like why? Like why would they even? I mean, and some and two as a storyteller, like you start to deconstruct things. Sometimes they're like, like why do they have that? Like there's a more obvious solution that would make more sense. Right for. You know, to get them from this point to this point, why did they, why did they write it that way? Yeah, totally. there's so much showboating in those '80s cartoons. Like I was thinking of, um, I, w- I watched the beginning of, of GI Joe recently, and there's uh, Cobra Cobra Commander's secret Cobra base is a mountain castle in the shape of a giant cobra, but they don't want to be found. It's natural. It's one of those natural rock formations. Like, you can see it from, like, ten miles away and be like, oh, that's probably it. Like, oh. <laughs> no, I mean, it's like, you're like, oh, that's strange that um, the erosion actually made it makes it look almost like a cobra. Right. Maybe maybe that was that the, the impetus for Cobra Commander putting his base there. Yeah. There we go. And, you know, Dr. Mindbender is like, maybe it's a really bad idea. No, it, <laughs> could also, it could also be, like, on the other side, it just looks like mountain. Right. So... Okay. So you don't see, you don't see <laughs> that it's a big cobra on the other side. 
We should build it. <laughs> <It's just laughs> if you build it, that's the obvious solution. Yeah. Like everyone's looking at it from the other side. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. Then you can just menace the people in one valley. Yeah. There we go. Uh, Ronin, the Frank Miller's epic trans time samurai ninja masterpiece. Yeah. I uh, I never really got as into Ronin, actually. I was really into The Dark Knight Returns, and then later, I think my brother bought the Ronin collection. But I think part of that was that that was a time when Things were would still go out of print, and you still had to buy back issues, and it was harder to have access to some of those things. But. Yeah, I like Ronan. It's interesting because it was Frank Miller kind of playing off of, um, you know, Lone Wolf and Cub, the way the Ninja Turtles guys were playing off of his stuff. Yeah, and I think this was the one book that really stuck out for them as a response, like going, "What the hell is this?" The other, uh, I, p- I put a bunch of Frank Miller stuff. Um, for me, at least, like, when I was really getting into, into comics, that was, like, everything I read was just blowing my mind that he had done. Yeah, I mean, this book was was really striking to me at, at the time because of the the size and the coloring and everything. It was, like, this different kind of... For, as far as like a Frank Miller book goes, it was like the first book that was kind of an art object. Yeah, I'm really there's a there's a scene there's a page from that scene where he starts to get do you, it shows his um a big shot of his his apartment. Mm-hmm. He's going down the stairs and there's railings and the railings never open. There's no place for him to actually leave the stairs. There's a little art mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go look for that. It's fascinating. Like I don't know um, for a lot of folks, they probably think of Frank Miller as like the super crazy. Post Sin City, I don't know. For me, like this was the shit. The time I love this so much. So I put a bunch on here. I think it's in back in print now. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. So Electro lives again. Check it out. I um, especially like it because the uh, like we're talking about the the coloring and uh, Lynn Varley's wife was coloring it. Uh, she did most of his stuff. Right, Frank yeah. Miller's wife. Yeah. yeah At the time, there's something kind of. There's something kind of sad about making something incredibly visually beautiful about a blind guy that couldn't see it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that, I mean, the other thing, too, like those scenes in particular is one of the times when I was starting to notice um, in comics when people use color to fill in stuff that's not drawn. Like if you reduce those to just his black and white line art, there's lots of information missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no hill um, there without the line. Yeah, or or just even, yeah. Like the details in the gravestone. Just like the shading on it. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. I, I noticed that. As I as just wanted you to know that I noticed that. <laughs> then. Batman Year One. Me being a DC kid. This was a big one for me. Dave Mazzucchelli's work on that. I, I can talk about it for days. Go. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not doors. about me. <laughs> did you... Did you I, actually, I actually didn't read this until a couple of years ago. Really? Yeah. Why? Did you like... 
I, I loved it um, because I wasn't a DC kid; I was a Marvel kid. And uh, so, reading Batman and like I read Dark Knight Returns, and that was about it. I really didn't like Superman. Still, don't really like Superman all that much. I don't think Dark anyone Man. really likes. Superman. Yeah, the Dark Knight Returns kind of teaches you not to like Superman. Oh, maybe that. <laughs> like <you're taking> that. <laughs> That's why. No, I, but even before pocket. then, I mean, I didn't. I didn't like the Super Friends cartoons. <laughs> what was like it about the surrounded by? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you were a Marvel kid, weren't you? Or um, I was. I was more. I was reading like, you know, Critters and and uh, ElfQuest, but adolescent black belt hamsters. Oh yeah, three D. Um, adolescent. Yeah. What was the um, preteen dirty jean kung fu kangaroos? Was a big one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. <laughs> Thankfully, I don't have uh, anything from that. No, but I mostly mostly Marvel probably. There's another close up of Master Kelly page. I love Master Kelly. He's fantastic. Read uh, Gear One if you haven't. Um, here's the wonderful fight scene between uh, Batman and Superman from Dark Knight Returns. How old were you when you read that? What do you think? Remember? Uh, I would have been. 12, 13, something like that. Did it change your perspective on comics? Um, you know, it. not really because it was so soon after that that I started reading, like, 8-Ball and Dirty Plot. So it was kind of like, like Watchmen was coming out and Dark Knight, and I didn't actually read Watchmen then. And I just kind of... I read Dark Knight, and then I was, I was pretty much stopping reading superhero stuff and I started reading all the European comics like Mobius and the heavy metal magazine back then that was less gratuitous than it is now in terms of sex and violence. Yeah, it was I more I didn't read more Watchmen either at that time. I wonder if it was, I wonder if it's just if kids weren't into Watchmen. Yeah, I just like the characters didn't grab me as like I didn't really get what it was about, I guess. Yeah. Um, surprised. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, were you reading Watchmen at oh, 13, yeah. Robin? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He has it. the first printing of issue one. No, I don't. He was reading it from the beginning. <laughs> he was... <laughs> Actually, I probably didn't read Watchmen until I was maybe a little later than that. I read it a few years ago, too. What'd you think? Oh. <laughs> 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 I liked it. <laughs> Enjoyed it. Is a movie? It, I watched the movie. I'm sorry. I, I was entertained. I don't know. I always, I always think that the, I always think like those things are separate. It's like I don't, I don't need the movie to be as good as, as the comic. For I mean, for any comic, like, um, same thing with like the like Transformers. Like I don't need the the cartoon and the comics to to do the same thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like the Transformers films now, like I, not that I think they're good, but. <laughs> I, I don't need them to to do the same things that other things are doing. Uh. John Romina Jr. was one of the names you listed. Yeah, that you love. Yeah, he was the the artist on X Men when when I first started buying comics, and um, I really like his stuff. Still, what is it about John Romina Jr. Because he's he's really 
kind of an oddball in this mainstream world? Um, yeah, I don't know what it was. I, I mean, looking at his comics now, there's just certain elements, the way he draws things, that, like, there's some really interesting panels, and, um, I mean, it's not something, I don't think, that has to do with his storytelling, because I think with working with, like, a writer like Chris, Chris Claremont, where it's kind of, uh, it's so convoluted in terms yeah. of the story. Uh, I just focus more on just like individual panels and some of the sequences and how he does things is really interesting sometimes. I think the X-Men stuff, was that was his first like early breakthrough stuff, wasn't it? I put up the Daredevil um, spread because that was like really, um, for me, when he was at the top of this game doing Daredevil. He was really like Daredevil. Like you got the turtles, <laughs> you got Frank Miller, Daredevil. You got the well. We were talking about ninjas earlier. So yeah, I was okay. thinking recently about how Daredevil would make a fantastic villain because he's terrifying. He's like a blind lawyer who. <laughs> so that is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, the lawyer dresses up as the devil. Yeah, so I, I want them to do like a like basically do four foot clan guys that are like ninja turtles, and they're in Hell's Kitchen, and they have to like, you know get to the pizza place without the daredevil stopping them. <laughs> Marvel may be calling you, Brandon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a little more of a dormant daredevil in his kind of way to, I guess, like, just the action scenes. That's where he's, he's top dog. And um, just really play with the, uh, the angle so it's not just the same thing we're seeing over and over again. I really like how he moves. Yeah. How he kicks dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I like how he's standing on the clud. <laughs> you even notice that. You can use that? No. <laughs> and there's a little bit of the uh, Darmina Jr. That's a little later in his X-Men run. I love so that. That Rachel Summers Phoenix is so cool. They did some great stuff with that. Um, one of the reasons I put this issue on specifically was for uh, the Beyonder. Yes, because I think the Beyonder is a underused character. So and so lame. <laughs> <laughs> because because they haven't had the right person. If you did tackling him, if you did I the Beyonder, how, would you dress him the same? Well, wait, do you guys Probably. know who the Beyonder was? No, no one has any clue. I think we need an explanation. <laughs> so the Beyonder <laughs> was like this. He was like this godlike being from another dimension or something which doesn't really make sense because like that's not how dimensions work but um, <laughs> tell us more <laughs> well like no like dimensions that's like 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 space yeah. time like like you you can't really have like like it could be from another universe right that's not really another dimension like this right. isn't like, like if it came from another dimension it'd be like like it's just yeah, they're kind of but anyway, you know, he's like this turn. super powerful being, and and he he takes all. So he was from Secret Wars, and he takes all the heroes and villains from Marvel, and he's like, I want to understand human behavior, and he's like, so I'll have them, like whoever I'll have them all fight, and whoever wins gets their heart's desire, and I'll learn something, and and so like at first the heroes and villains are fighting each other, and then they all they're like, wait a minute, 
why are we fighting each other? Like, other than we're heroes and villains. <laughs> and they fight, they team up against the Beyonder or something. And but then, then he, he comes back. Yeah, then he came to Earth and decided to kind of, you know... Then he was like, he's like, I, wa- I just want to be a human. And I'll yeah, but he wore this ridiculous, like, he's kind of like jumpsuit a that was open on the chest. He's kind of, can't really see that. Kind of modeled after Michael Jackson a little bit. I thought it was more like Hasselhoff. There was this... Hasselhoff. There was this era where Michael yeah. Jackson, like, like Sunspot and the New Mutants... And kind of the Beyonder, and uh, who else? There was just a bunch of kind of Michael Jackson characters. Would you think he'd make a good superhero? I'm sure. Maybe an Elf Lord. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, you know, better villain. 80, <laughs> you know, 1985 Michael Jackson is, you know, is pretty charming. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, and then and then like he becomes a villain later. Yeah, it would be funny to like take those characters based yeah. off of the kind of show the decline. Yeah. So. There you go, Marvel. Um, We're giving you story ideas. There's no one from Marvel. No, here you realize. No one will. No one from Marvel will ever listen to what I do. Um, uh, here's another John Romita Jr. X Men scene. I don't remember which issue this is from. That's. Uh, is it John Romita Jr. Or yeah. is it? Yeah, it is. But I'm, I don't know which issue that is. I, it's. Um, I liked it because it's just it's kind of brutal. Yeah. I like how dramatically different Wolverine looks in this than he looks now. Like, they really prettied him up. They they really uh, fixed his sideburns, too. Yeah, and he's kind of Clint Eastwood in those side, side views. Um, I just like how they had to move the exclamation point so they could put, Next! Retribution! <laughs> like, <laughs> it kind of lessens the impact. Snick! Yeah. It's almost like a question. Like, Snick? Snick. <laughs> X-Men, I mean, a lot of kids loved X-Men. I never got it at that point because it was just too much to jump into. And that was part of my kind of anti-Marvel stance. Does Wolverine have yeah. nipples? Do I don't know if they could show them in the comics code. Well, he does. They're just covered by hair. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not sorry about that. <laughs> the hairy nipples. Brandon. Um, so X-Men, were you reading that younger? I mean, that was one of the, f- the first comics I bought, period, was X-Men, and I read it up until I started switching over to reading things like 8-Ball and uh, stuff. Um, one of the great things about stuff that, there's Michael Golden for folks to check out if they don't know Michael Golden's work. Uh, Micronauts, that was another toy, wasn't that? Yeah. Which I never read. No. Useless. <laughs> 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 With the man thing. Um, there's Nam. And you can kind of see the amazing detail that Golden could get in there. Yeah. I think I think what that book did for me was it was it was I mean that was like one of those really it was one of those things where starting to realize that comics can do something more serious and um this wasn't wasn't Nam written by a veteran? Yeah. Um, you know, so it's very fact-based um, and kind of tackling, like, Major historical issues. issues, but through a very, like, personal lens. Here's a close-up of a panel from Nam. Got to give folks an idea. I think the stuff has been reprinted at this yeah, point. Yeah, uh, they just started reprinting the trades. But Michael Golden only drew the first 10 or 11 issues. 
or 12 issues maybe and then they started switching artists and that that first his run I think is all I still really am interested in mm -hmm. he was the top of his game at that point Walt Simonson that yeah. Thor run yeah that Thor run although I the frog issues I kind of I stopped reading at the frog issues. Under frog? Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, I mean, better Ray Bill is kind of cool, I thought, but it's like the frog, yeah. Too far? Yeah, it's one step too far. And that was also, I mean, again, it's like that, that was at that point where I was already weaning myself off of superheroes and moving on to other stuff. But, um, his artwork and things. There's something about it I really liked. That very distinct style. At this point, is there are there any from that era that you'll go to now and read? Um, these, the Thor, um, some of the X Men, I guess. But and I've gone back and like reading the uh, Daredevil Born again. Uh, I don't know, just random. Do you draw those characters? Now, yeah, I'd be interested. I mean, I well, I did the a couple of things for Strange Tales, but um, those are very. I don't think I saw that. I did an X Men story in Strange Tales two, and then a two page Fantastic Four story in the first one. Not a loop. Read some comics, Brandon. Art Adams, love that man. Art Adams was a big influence on me in terms of. For for a long time, I just was trying to draw him and like the way he adds all these little lines. And uh, yeah, all my drawings had lots of extra little lines. And you should point out that he's kind of like little Michael Golden. Yeah, yeah. we kind of Michael Golden does less superhero stuff and kind of Art Adams. I think never had the kind of the research that Michael Golden does in terms right. of. His style seemed really influenced by it. Yeah. Both great stuff. Um, one interesting thing I heard about Art Adams, because there's a certain point where his stuff went from being fantastic to being not so exciting. It was like, he like made his page smaller. So it's, I find that fascinating in that, like how, what you're working with affects how something looks. Yeah, there was this point where his work became less detailed and had a different feel to it. Um, and it just didn't seem to to work the same visually. I heard a funny story from shit talking to someone recently. <laughs> 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 There's an editor that was working with both him and, and Scotty Young, the guy drawing the Wizard of Oz comic now. And they said, Hey Arthur Adams, um, you do like a page a week. Scotty Young can do like three pages a day. And he said, I can do three pages a day that look like Scotty Young stuff too. Well, <laughs> 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 oh God bless! There's a, a good example of how Hasselhoff, the the Beyonder look. Oh yeah. yeah, that's at his shiniest. And look how powerful he is! They <laughs> can't stop him. You can't see his. Uh, it's going to take them another three issues to stop him. <laughs> Which member of the Fantastic Four was out of commission for She-Hulk to be in? Was it the Thing? Uh, was it? Also, as a side note, I'm deeply in love with Power Pack. It's the only comic I have a subscription to. Those kids in the background. Do you read Power <laughs> Pack? 
I didn't. <laughs> I, I recently, like, I went into a friend of mine's studio, and um, or I, I just met them at the time, and, and I went into the studio, and they had a Power Pack poster, and I went up to it, and I was like, oh, and I named all the characters on it, and this is their ship and everything. And the guy just stared at me and he goes, dude, that's my girlfriend's poster. <laughs> I threw this in because this is stuff that I was getting into. And you wanted to know a bit about what I liked. And the, I Commissioner think Gordon's looking the wrong way. He's looking at the screen. They're watching the screen and it's so rolling. Batman. <laughs> Norm Brayfogle was a big, huge uh, guy for me when I was at that age, getting into comics. Let's see. And then you said you're reading modern yeah, stuff I, like the crossover, so I threw yeah, up... Every uh, once in a while, I'll read like, Final Crisis. I like Grant Morrison's stuff for the most part. and uh, Final Crisis is hard, because I, not being a DC guy, there's a lot. That I, I, I think it was really hard get. anyways. That was the one that I was, I was get really going in a, into a, a Grant Morrison phase, and then I... Uh, I read that one, and I was like, "All oh, this stuff is great." And then I read Final Crisis, and I was like, "Maybe not." <laughs> well, there's that line in there where, like, who is it? Was the guy? He, he quotes. He he says that like, I make lightning dance like Beyonce, <laughs> and it's just so <laughs> unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying she can't dance nice, though. Just you know, <laughs> there, there could be better. I don't need to be reminded of it. <laughs> don't throw that in my face. Um, we're winding up your last couple minutes. Anyone have any questions for either of these gentlemen? They don't have to be about Beyonder. Yeah. <laughs> you talked about uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and how you were really, really interested in the indie aspect of it um, because of indie comics were kind of up and coming then. Um, now I see a huge influx in independent video games. And if you're a video games fan, have you kind of witnessed this influx? Um, yeah, I, I kind of made a conscious decision to get away from video games when I moved to Chicago, um, specifically because it was too much of a distraction, and uh, I wanted to kind of put it away and um, not spend time on it. I mean, I've seen like like the idea of online games, and actually, I'm working with a friend who who does like kind of free online flash games to do a change bots game called Balls Patrol uh, <laughs> based based on the old Moon Patrol game but um, I mean it up. yeah <laughs> so I I just I mean I did like a drawing kind of like that's based on the old Moon Patrol covers of of the character Balls like transforming as he's being shot at um, and then I kind of I mean, the design's really basic. It's like, you know, he he rides along, and then he can transform and shoot things. And then there's the Fantasticon, like, generic Fantasticon cars will drive out, and they they change and shoot at balls. And so you have to change and shoot them before they shoot you, and then they just come faster and faster. Doesn't and it blow your mind that we're, we're in an era now we're in the same way with, like, a Ninja Turtles-type thing, just some guys in their basement can do it, that you can do that with video games now? Yeah, I mean, and yeah, that's the thing. Uh, not, and not just that you can do it, but the kind of, when you can put it on the internet where the access is, like like even with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, it's like you go, you have to go to the comic shop to get those first issues. And like my comic shop had like the first printings of 
like the first couple issues, you know, kind of up on the wall behind the counter, and and I think back then they were like twenty five dollars or something, which seemed like like hugely expensive. It's like oh, that's so valuable. <laughs> um, but uh, like the the change in distribution of of doing something independent is is so much different now too. Where whatever whatever work you're creating, it's so much easier to. Um, get it out into the world. I guess the the drawback now is that there's so much stuff, it's harder to sift through, which I think, I mean, that kind of happened with the turtles where you you had the turtles come out and then, then all these other things like black belt hamsters and all these other black and white comics kind of flooded the market and then that then it all of a sudden it became where black and white comics weren't this interesting indie thing. It was kind of known for like a lack of quality and kind of but there's like a backlash against it. So, anyone? Oh, I haven't read in a long time. So. <laughs> is that the is that the Peter Laird stuff? Is that the Peter Laird stuff? Interesting. All right, we got one last one. Just wondering if you ever considered doing like just a web um, you know, I personally, I like even if it's something I like, I don't like reading it on a screen, and so like Perry Bible Fellowship, like I love it, but I would never read it online. I just waited till like books came out. I mean, I would read like one or two or whatever when people would send links or something. Um, but at the same time, I'm like aware that like it's a different world that we're entering and. Um, as much as I like physical books, most reading will be done in a different format. So I've started to think about certain projects. I think um, at some point Top Shelf will have like digital, and I might start releasing old sketchbooks through there, which isn't quite the same as doing a webcomic. But and then I was thinking I might it might be a good way to serialize, especially it's harder to print floppies, like, like you know, individual issues or something to serialize that way, but serializing online is is really easy and, and cheap, and, um, but I don't know, I, the book, the stuff I'm working on right now will definitely be books, and so it's like kind of down the road, it's in my mind, and um, at some point I'll figure it out, I guess. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Brendan. <laughs>